Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and for right now, I am here with Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, my dude? How you doing? I'm doing good. About yourself, man? Uh, a little got, ragged. A little ragged. Little, I had a rough work week. Um, got out late, had to rush to come over here. Made the poor decision to stuff myself full of whatever Taco Bell considers meat. <laughs> uh, so I think I'm primed and ready to talk some extreme horror with you. Yeah, that's all you need, man. Some we, Taco we, Bell. We may make our own extreme horror film <laughs> Oh man! I'll during the, this episode. I'll start recording. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so it is Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. For us, it goes all month. Damn right. Um, and Jason, you have brought to us this amazing odyssey we're going to do all month, all about extreme horror. Yes. So I think, uh, well, first of all, today uh, we're going to be covering a Serbian film from 2010. And I think right now, before we go any further, and probably for every episode we do in this block, huge, massive trigger warning kind of thing I want to throw out. (laughs) Some more than others, but yeah, Um, definitely for this one. We always talk about you should know what you're comfortable with and know your limits. And so obviously this is a very touchy subject to get into for a lot of people. Uh, I know I have friends that just can't even watch any of these movies. They just say, I can't do it. Full stop. And that's okay. Pussies. That's okay, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Jason. <laughs> um, no, but it is, you know, knowing what you're comfortable with, and, and this will get into a lot of, like, very touchy topics as far as, like, brutality and torture and rape and things like that. So even just hearing us talk about it, if that might get to you or anything, it's perfectly fine. We understand. Absolutely. It's okay. It's, it's good, not for everyone. It's good to sit these out because it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are interested in this topic, then continue at your own risk. Yeah. You've been warned. But first, before we get deep into the thick of it, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about what we've been watching, and I got a shout out. Okay. A special one this time. We're going to shout out again the Jacked Up Review Show podcast, because mm-hmm. it'll be after this episode airs, but already, Jason, one of your guest spots came out. Woot. And I wanted to highlight it and make sure I funnel people toward checking it out. Uh, you got to join them with another guy to talk about the Misfits and Danzig. Yeah. It was super cool. I really enjoyed listening to it. Cool, thanks, um, man. I had fun doing it. All of us, besides film, we all have a varying level of interest in music. I know you specifically, Jason, you're very big on collecting vinyl. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to get to hear you talk about that for a little bit oh, instead cool. of just movies. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. It was fun to do. Yeah, it was, Cam's a good guy, and he's a good, cool podcast, and everyone should check it out. Yep, super fun. And you can check that out, and then look throughout the year. We will have more and more of these where we've collaborated. We've done several. Mm-hmm. You, you may hear Dustin coming up on one of them before too long. Perhaps, yes. <laughs> All right, so yeah, go give that a look. I'll link to it in the show notes. Awesome. Give it some love. What you been watching? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> sure. Wow, I didn't have my phone up or anything. So this is kind of a mini saga I think I've been on the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Dark Side releasing. Then I checked out Asura Girl which I mentioned was part of the Blood Sea anime franchise. Oh, yeah, so I need to borrow that sometime. <clears throat> ah, yes, it's ooh, very good. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about, because after watching A Sewer Girl, I was like, you know, I've owned this for a long time and never really watched it. It's only like 13 episodes in a film. Let me shoot through that. It's got a lot of hate online. I think it, it makes a weird choice where the show is like... It... It's 13 episodes, and it, at the start, it seems very, like, kind of generic for an anime. It's like a cutesy girl who's having a good high school life, but then every now and again, she gets super serious and fights a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, as you do. As you do. But then the last episode, like, goes fucking crazy, and there's an insane twist that I don't want to spoil. 
Because if you have any enjoyment from this, it's going to be from the twist, I think, perhaps. Um, but it ends on a cliffhanger, and it leaves open like a final resolution, which they followed up on in a film called Blood Sea, The Last Dark, which was a theatrical animated film to kind of wrap up the series and finish the story. I really can't get too much into the plot at all, because it knowing the plot of this movie spoils the plot of the show. Uh. So you kind of need to see the show first before you go to this movie. Um, so all I'll say is if you know the Blood franchise, it's all the stuff you love. It's You've got Saya with Akatana going around killing monsters, being awesome. Um, there's some interesting stuff in the plot uh, for this one where they have this like youth ordinance bill. And it's enforcing all these curfews for minors and trying to regulate like the use of the internet and the spreading of information and all this stuff. Oh, so it's set in China. <laughs> it, it's kind of got vibes <laughs> of that, really. I don't know if that was an inspiration or not, but uh-huh. the, the tone was there. And so part of the the subplot to all of this of like because usually every blood thing is like Saya turns up and gets involved in some shit, um, and in this she gets involved in this whole thing that's going on where there's like these youth resistance group groups that are like teens that are rebelling against the government and everything that's going on. I can dig it. And they're after a certain political figure that, in the wake of the show, Saya is also after. Okay. And so they kind of team up together to try to finally expose him and bring him down. All right. Don't want to say too much more than that. Um, even if you don't dig the plot and what they're doing, it's super gory, lots of crazy action, good battles and stuff, and just blood and blood and blood. It earns the name blood. So nice. Uh, give it a watch, maybe. Cool. If anime is your thing. What about you, Jason? Well, I recently acquired a Blu-ray called Gore in Venice, aka Giallo. In aka Venice. Giallo in Venice. It's from 79, uh, directed by Mario Landi, which is a name I'm not very familiar with. I don't think he did a lot of Mm-mm. Gialli. Um, but the gist of this is, in Venice, a detective is on the trail of a killer who commits a double murder. Then more grisly killings occur. Sex, drugs, gore, and perversions are ingredients in this sadistic and sleazy giallo. I think it's often considered like one of the most violent, perhaps, right? Kind of gets that term. It, yeah, it's really there's there's one or two scenes that are pretty out there, um, but this movie has an identity crisis. It doesn't know what it wants to be. <laughs> it doesn't know if it wants to be a like psychosexual thriller. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know if it wants to be softcore porn or hardcore porn Why or giallo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so kind of everything is thrown at this movie, and it's almost like two different movies. Hmm. <laughs> Um, well, and, uh, knowing Italy, it could be. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Um, it, it, I say give it a watch. Like if you like, if you like sleazy, uh, gory Italian films, check it out. Um, it has more sex than most of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the detective, <laughs> he's a very strange lead. I love a quirky detective. He's very quirky because he's always eating hard boiled eggs. I mean, in every scene. Wow. He just pulls him out of his pocket and starts eating. <laughs> Do you think that was in the script or was that just the actor? <laughs> that That's in a contract. good question. I, would, I must eat hard-boiled eggs I would like to. I would like to know the answer to that. But shout out to one of my favorite YouTube channels, Good Bed Flicks. Oh, I love them. Yeah, because they turned me on to this one and I had to pick it up. So. I'll uh, link to their episode yeah. in the show notes. Cool, yeah. Because if you've never watched any of their videos, you should. It's like... I'm not a big YouTube guy, but they're one of the channels I super love. Yeah, he's, he's one of the best, most dependable. And you know, once or twice, and I think it's particularly you, Jason, you've picked a movie for us to cover, and then right after we've done it, Good Bad Flicks has done an episode. Yeah, yeah. So this time I'm ripping him off. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, um, I don't think it's really streaming anywhere. 
The Blu-ray's out by full moon, mm-hmm. I noticed. And it's not too hard to find if you look around online. It might be on their streaming service. They have their own full That's moon true, they streaming do. service. Yeah. Which, surprisingly, I don't own. <laughs> but be sure you get the uncut version. There's a cut version out there somewhere. Don't want to watch that. The uncut runs uh, an hour and 31 minutes. So mm. Check it out. Well, speaking of cut and uncut versions... <laughs> I don't want to talk about your penis again. <laughs> All right, so today we are talking about a Serbian film from 2010, directed by Serjan Spasojevic. And he also assisted in writing the screenplay. Yes, a very infamous movie. And I can't believe this is already 12 years old. It's crazy because it feels like it's just recent still. Yeah. And it's like a thing people still talk about all the time. Right. This uh, is kicking off a block on extreme horror. So I think maybe before we touch on the film, like we always do when it's a new genre we've never tackled before, mm-hmm. let's lay some groundwork, talk about what extreme horror is, and kind of chart it out a little bit. Good idea. What do you think extreme horror is? Well, here is from the research. Okay. This goes a little broader because I'm going to talk at first about extreme cinema. Mm. So this is a subgenre of films that's usually distinguished by its use of excessive sex and violence and such various extreme nature and topics as mutilation and torture. It most often is specialized in genre film, notably horror, but also often drama. Okay. How does that feel? That feels good. It's perfect. Cool. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, yeah, I think that when you're talking about extreme, that could be any genre. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it's usually horror, but it could also be applied to to dramas and stuff like that. Um, But I think there is... Is extreme the same as disturbing? Is disturbing the same as extreme? Are we focusing on one or the other, or does it matter? So I think they're different i do too but i also think they go hand in hand mm-hmm. it's like if you're talking about one you're kind of talking about the other usually if something is extreme it becomes disturbing mm-hmm. uh what it made me think of is when you talk about pink films right so mm-hmm. we, we established that in that episode we did forever ago now that uh, that a pink film one of its traits is that it is independent but then you have the studio things like toys pinky violence and nikatsu's roman porno they're basically pink films but they're made by a studio with a bigger budget and that whole agenda so, I mean, like, technically, by the definition, they are not pink films. Hmm. But if you talk about them, it's such a small little slice that you're looking at, you're going to talk about them in tandem together, just right. kind of naturally as the conversation goes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, so then, with extreme films and disturbing films, they kind of just go hand in hand as well. Yes. But I think the difference, extreme films need to have... Extreme content, you know, mm-hmm. it has to have, be over the top. Disturbing, I think it can be disturbing and not have any extreme content. Yes, because just, just the concept or like the premise of the theme mm-hmm. could be so unsettling. Exactly. But I think, I mean, I think it's okay to use those terms interchangeably. Yeah. But we, will, we, it, will, we will go through the gamut, I think, of both extreme and disturbing. I think the divide is the kind of thing that is the, the keyboard warrior kind of thing of you're on a forum or like Facebook and you're arguing with someone. Yeah. Um, 
because I, I wanted to talk about this later. Maybe we should just talk about it now. Okay. Uh, we have in the past covered a film that some people claim is an extreme horror film, and that is the Poughkeepsie Tapes. Yes. And I think I even talked about this a little bit in the episode. Right. That after I watched it, I was like, well, I don't think this is extreme. And you kind of checked me on that of like, well... If, if you're not a jaded yeah. motherfucker, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it probably is extreme. <laughs> if you never experienced anything else, it, it probably does come across as extreme. And even if it doesn't affect you personally, I do think it falls comfortably under the category of disturbing. For sure. But then so does Signs of the Lambs. You know. True. Anyway. Sometimes that's hard because it becomes a slippery slope of like... Yeah. Oh, maybe the conjuring is disturbing for someone. So what, do you, <laughs> what do you say then? That's true. I mean, it's very personal. You're mm-hmm. right. Uh, so like most things on this podcast, uh, nothing ever really matters and you just do what you want. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> so as far as the history of extreme cinema and how it developed, one of the key things it can trace back to is censorship and art films. As you know, art films try to explore certain ideas, bigger ideas, go deeper with some topics eventually that treads into these areas that are disturbing and are a little too extreme for most. And that is obviously usually met with censorship first and foremost. Um, But it also ties in a bit with the advertising tactics for exploitation films. I didn't know if you wanted to comment on this at all, Jason, because I know you love exploitation cinema, but I feel like if we're doing like links in a chain before extreme cinema, we have to have exploitation cinema absolutely they go hand in hand right yeah yeah that kind of garish crazy risque sort of artwork and stuff for the advertising and all that yeah Mm. Yeah. and of course the the theme was like it was always about trying to push the envelope Mm -hmm. and do a little more and it's the most shocking thing in cinema Mm -hmm. kind of deal um so the name extreme cinema if we're just talking about as like a title a lot of people attribute it to the like asian film boom in the early 2000s because a lot of those were spearheaded by like very sensational features, uh, stuff like Audition, okay. stuff like Old Boy. Um, and there was a term that was coined at that time that was Asian extreme. And if you're a collector like me, you're going to know there were media labels in the U.S. that really pushed this. There was uh, Tartan Asian Extreme mm-hmm. and then uh, Tokyo Shock. Yeah. They both really leaned on this like, oh, it's so extreme. It's so, so intense. Um, as part of their marketing push. Mm-hmm. So that that's one angle. Yeah, that's not that's the complete thing, but a lot of people put a focus on that. Um, I, I would argue that extreme goes back to the silence, to the silent films. Mm-hmm. I mean, Unshian uh, uh, Andalo, you know, uh, Salvador Dali's movie, Louis Brunel, where they show the eyeball getting slit mm-hmm. and ear and the ear being crawled over with ants and things like that. That's that's extreme. Mm-hmm. And that little way back in the silent era. Well, I agree there's definitely earlier examples, but I mm-hmm. think as far as people like using this title okay. as a category, okay. I can kind of vibe to the idea that it was a more recent Okay. Yeah. Recent ish. Okay. Fair enough. Edition. Fair enough. Um And I think also hand in hand with this, we gotta talk a little bit about torture porn, which is a well known and more modern horror genre. Mm-hmm. Are torture porn films extreme cinema or not? What do you think? Uh, I would say largely yes. Because mm-hmm. typically any torture porn is going to have, well, I mean, it's called torture porn for a reason. Mm-hmm. It has explicit gore. So I've always, uh, I didn't really prepare this in my notes, but I want to pose it now because I just thought of it. Why is there that category called torture porn when we already have the idea of extreme horror? 
for example? I think torture porn is applied to movies that center more on, on, on torture, you know, stuff like hostile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where people are like strapped down and tormented, mm-hmm. things like grotesque, you know, saw even they call that, yeah, because of the traps they're put in and stuff, and people are tortured. So I think that's specifically its own kind of sub genre, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, subgenre to to the extreme subgenre. Yes. Uh, some other notes I wanted to get into. Um, so in general, extreme cinema is considered controversial, and as far as like mainstream media, it's pretty widely unaccepted. Uh, it's considered to be a very niche, small audience that are actually out there celebrating these kind of things. And it's often criticized and debated by film critics and the general public as far as, like, I guess you would say the validity mm-hmm. of them as, like, films that should or should not exist. Uh, in particular, there's been a lot of debate about the hypersexualization that these films make and how that stands in regards to, like, community standards. And the other line on that, too, then, is also the criticism of the increase of violence in modern-day films and what impact that has on people. If any. But the thing is, and I'm glad you said that, because <laughs> uh, that's kind of been a thing for a long time, right? Like You can go back to like the slasher films of the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. and they were saying the same thing. And so it's like it's been the same argument this entire time. They just kind of keep moving the target. Exactly. And, and there was plenty of murder and death and rape and horrible things happening mm-hmm. before cinema was even invented. So mm-hmm. probably more so than there is today. I mean, people say we live in like the most peaceful time ever. <laughs> so maybe movies have something to do with that. Maybe it's an outlet, you know, the whole catharsis theory. You know, I've always thing. felt like that. And, and two, it's like now everything is documented because we have social media mm-hmm. and there's cameras everywhere. And it's like 24-7. Everything's being watched and reported. If you go back far enough... If someone didn't write it down... Yeah, it's gone. It's it's gone. It didn't happen. Uh, So, I mean, there's not a deep history on this one, so I think that's good enough for our purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to go through some maybe popular examples just to kind of orient us a little bit. Okay. So if we're talking early, like, let's go before this idea of, like, the Asian extreme film, when Mm -hmm. that really came in the mix. Uh, I think Cannibal Holocaust is one we got to highlight. Absolutely. It's granddaddy. Yeah, it's like... Granddaddy for found footage as well as this mm-hmm. yeah. in a lot of ways. The apex of the cannibal genre. <laughs> um, you probably need to talk about Herschel Gordon Lewis and stuff like Blood Absolutely. Feast. Absolutely, Blood Feast 1963, I believe. It's another foundational one. Oh, um, yeah. big, Very popular in the drive-ins in the South. <laughs> and that gets into that whole exploitation thing of mm-hmm. like, you push the spectacle of it all. Yeah. Um. So I had mentioned way back at the start of this, the idea of like art films. So that means we need to talk about something like, say, Salo, mm-hmm. which definitely has more of the art film vibe, but certainly pushes the envelope. Yes. It, it is very extreme and very disturbing. Way beyond most people's comfort zones, but yet is in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a good movie. And I will defend a lot of these so-called extreme disturbing films, because especially if you're talking about disturbing, I mean, anyone can shoot gore and mm-hmm. it could be gross. And you're like, right. okay. But to really like disturb you or make a point, it has to be more than just shock value. We're going to get into it with our film today, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, there's an amalgam of elements, which is what any film is. If it's good, all the pieces come together. Mm-hmm. But um, Speaking of the Asian side of things, since that is kind of relevant, uh, Jason, Cat 3, that's definitely a link in this chain, right? Yeah. Do you want to talk about that in any bit at all? Or? Um, well, I mean, Category 3, in case you don't know, was... Uh, 
in, in Hong Kong, there were three categories, one, two, and three. One was like PG, mm-hmm. two is pretty much PG-13R, and three was what we would call it in C-17, most mm. likely. So if it was a, if it was a Cat 3, you know you're going to get some blood. <laughs> uh, movies like, even like action films, though, a lot of times mm-hmm. got Category 3s. Um, and it's definitely a topic we will do one day. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> Things like the Ebola Syndrome, you know, Untold mm-hmm. Story, Dr. Lamb. And I think a lot of those films, in, in many ways, were influences on these later, like, Japanese ex- and Korean, like, extreme horror Absolutely. films. Absolutely. Although I think a lot of people... Cause uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis is attributed with inventing the gore film mm-hmm. with Blood Feast. But have you ever heard or seen Jigoku from 1960 from Japan? Yes, I love it. It's yeah. fucking insane. A lot of people call that the first gore film. Because at the end, things go, when they actually go to hell, oh man, people were getting disemboweled and torn apart and stuff. That's a great one to seek out if you're looking to dip your toe mm-hmm. into the early ones. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Japan, brief mention right now we should give to the Guinea Pig series. Very infamous line of films. <laughs> Um, at some point we'll go deeper with those, but mm. they bordered almost on the idea of being like a snuff film faked as a movie kind of thing. It fooled Charlie Sheen. Yes. The infamous story that he well, it was a VHS tape of one dubbed off and he popped it in yeah, and thought it was real. It was probably like a fourth generation. It was flowers of flesh and blood. He saw mm. it at a party and freaked out and thought it was real. And, and to, I mean, back in the day, you know, older TVs and, and you get those degraded VHS the effects look better that way, mm-hmm. which is also something I want to touch on. And we'll, we'll talk about that with this movie. Oh, and then so these have gone on to even expi- inspire their own like sub things like uh, what is it, like the August Underground films, mm-hmm. right? Those are kind of that same vein of like where it's just very locked into being like this is pretty much a simulated snuff film yeah. as a movie. Right. And that I would that if Charlie Sheen had that, seen that, mm-hmm. oh man, his head would have exploded because August <laughs> Underground is much more believable than Flowers of Flesh and Blood. So then if we, we advance the line further and go into the 2000s and beyond, this is where we do get those like Japanese, Korean extreme films, stuff like Old Boy. Um, Audition. Audition. BK had several, like Visitor Q as well. People throw Suicide Club in there. I wouldn't, but they do. I think it tracks, but I think since it, it's Sono and he's my guy, yeah. um, to talk about it a little bit, I do think a few of his films I would categorize as extreme. Particularly uh, Strange Circus and Cold Fish. Okay, I need to see Cold Fish. That's in my queue. I haven't watched we'll it yet. We'll get you there. Yeah, I'll get there. Um, this is when we get the torture porn subgenre coming in with things like Saw. Not really the original Saw so much. I think like people lump it in, but like the original is really more of like a head game. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of gore, but from the second one on, they knew they had to up the ante, and that's where the gore comes in. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like Eli Roth's content with stuff like Hostel. Which I will defend forever. I like Hostel. I love Hostel, Yeah, Hostel's man. great. Um, I will not defend Green Inferno. <laughs> Which is his own throwback to Cannibal Holocaust. And that's the problem, because Green Inferno, and I want to talk about that a little bit with a Serbian film, Green Inferno is a little too slick. Mm. You know, it looks too nice. One of the one of the great things about truly disturbing and extreme films is that usually, well, a lot of times they're cheaper, and they're usually, you know, shot on a very low budget, very on the go, and they look grimy. It makes you feel like you, you're watching something you're not supposed to watch. Yes. It makes you feel like you can take a shower afterward. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this is a, another thing. This is a whole subgenre I don't really know as much about. But this is, at this time in the 2000s, we also got like the new French extreme yes. wave. Like uh, uh, With things like High Tension, mm-hmm. Irreversible. Martyrs. Martyrs. Inside. 
I knew you would know more about this mm-hmm. to, to name yeah. a few. Frontiers, that's another good one. Um, and that's its own whole subset to itself, even. Yeah, we need to get to that someday. Uh, so some notable directors. I think we hit most of the ones I had on my list I wanted to mention. Um, Lars von Trier. Gotta mention <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, um, He has some, I think, too, that are like extreme, but more of a drama, like the, what is it, the Nymphomania Volumes 1 and right. 2. yeah. That's really much more of like a sexual drama. I think his stuff falls f- more toward the disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of like extreme French cinema, Gaspar Noé, mm-hmm. got to have him in the mix on that. Yep. Um, Peter Jackson, his early films. If you if you wind back the clock <laughs> before, Flash, yeah, man, Lord I, of the Rings. I don't know how New Line gave him so much money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they did. Um, also, thought we should toss in Lloyd Kaufman from Troma, yeah, because his films really push the envelope in the scheme of things, especially mm-hmm. on the, the gore end of things. Yep. Probably Romero, too. I mean, Night of the Living Dead was pretty gory for its day. Oh, yeah. And not to mention Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. two little questions before yes. we get into the film. Yes. Do you have any personal favorites out of extreme horror? <sighs> the, one, the ones you really love that you champion a ton? I do. I do. And I also want to talk a little bit briefly about my introduction to disturbing and extreme okay. films. Let's hear it. It was in high school, and I got a book called... Uh, cut mm-hmm. horror writers on horror film, and I still have that very book right here. Oh, and within this book, it there looks was, well read. <laughs> it is very well read. Uh, there's a uh, chapter entitled "Disturbo 13: The Most Disturbing Horror Films Ever Made." Now I'm like, I don't know, 16, 17 when I'm reading this, mm-hmm. so I'm like, disturbing. You know, what exactly does that mean? So that's kind of a new term for me. So I will briefly tell you his list of the okay. 13 films. Let's hear him. Now keep in mind, this was like 1992 or some shit. Okay, in no particular order. Uh, Solo, 120 Days of Sodom. There you go. It's fair edition. <laughs> um, I want to come back to this one, because that one, I'll come back to that one. I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, which was probably the first truly disturbing film I saw. I think I was about 15, maybe 16, and I had a physical reaction to that movie. I remember feeling really sad because I think we just rented it because we kept seeing the box all the time in the video store. Yeah, it's one of those movies you hear about, mm-hmm. and then it's almost like, you know, you ha- it's like an initiation. You have to watch it. And I think for me at that time, it was like I was in slasher mode, like Jason, Freddy, mm-hmm. Michael. And so then to go to this, it's yeah. so much more. I, I was By the time the movie was over, I was visibly shaking. Hmm. I really was. It had a profound effect on me. And I also defend that movie. I think it's a very good movie. I agree. Awesome. Um, the remake, not so much. Well, <laughs> another one, uh, Blood Sucking Freaks, is on here. Mm, okay, which probably wouldn't make the list today because it's not that. Yeah, I wouldn't think to put that one, but uh, Last House on the Left, sure. Yeah, For definitely, sure. definitely. Maniac, nineteen eighty. Okay. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Gotta have it on there. And that was the first time I ever heard of that movie. That was the first time I heard of a lot of these movies. Back in the day. No, Blockbuster didn't have these. You know, right, Movie yeah. Warehouse wasn't going to have this. <laughs> you had to go to the little local place. Yeah, I finally found a dungeon in, in Lexington that had like, very uh, uh, third, fourth generation copies of these movies I finally checked <laughs> in. Um, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, yes, that's a great one. Uh, here's one that a lot of people don't know about. In a Glass Cage. You know, I don't think I've... I know, I know the film, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's from 86. It's about a... Um, 
a boy who was in the concentration camp and, of course, you know, horribly abused and everything. And he winds up later on finding the Nazi who was largely responsible for his abuse. And he is oh. in a, um, uh, you know, one of those iron lung things. Oh. So he becomes his caretaker. <laughs> it's And again, this is one of those, because it's not that extreme mm-hmm. as far as content, but it's disturbing. Nice. Um, let's see. Sorry. Oh, Necromantic. Another classic. Oh, yeah, for sure. I meant to mention that in our setup. Uh, Ilsa, She Wolf of the SS, is on this list. Um, Combat Shock. That's a fun one. Have you, do you know that uh, one? I've never seen it. It's from 84. It was actually produced by Troma. Or released by trauma. Mm. Also called American Nightmares. But it's about a Vietnam vet. He comes back and maybe he's not right in the head and mm-hmm. things happen. Um Eraserhead. Oh. Well I guess it's disturbing, but I don't know. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's disturbing. And again, this is ninety two. So a lot of the movies that would make this list today, even if they existed then, there really was no way to see them. Mm-hmm. So the one I skipped I wanted to go back to. Alright, this this is the money shot. Yeah. Um Man Behind the Sun. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the uh, was it unit seven? Well, seven thirty one. Seven thirty one. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember the number. So uh, back in the day, he describes it as a very obscure Chinese film that no one really knew any of the details about. Of course, now it's got like a Blu-ray release and right. everything. Um, but if you don't know about this, it's just basically the very experiments, re- the very real horrors that happened. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the worst part, is that these things really happened in Unit 731. They were pretty much Japanese Nazis, for lack of a better term, uh, doing the same things that like Mengele and those people yep. were doing. Um, yep, they, just, they just wanted to figure stuff out, like, what happens if I bisect a child yeah. and see how long he takes to die? Yeah. All right, good data. <laughs> I, that, that movie beat me. It beat me. I, was, I finally found a copy of it, and I was watching it alone, which I probably shouldn't have. But I just, mm, I never went back to it. That's the only movie that beat me. Wow. Yeah. Because they use real corpse in that movie. More than one, probably. Isn't there something with animals, too? Like There's a scene with a cat, yeah, it's which kinda, I didn't get to. They claim isn't anything, but They, it's they say it's special yeah. effects. Mm. So I want to go back and revisit it. Because that was one of the reasons why I stopped watching. Because I knew mm. that scene was coming up, and I was just... <laughs> but they throw a body, like a real dead body, in a decompression chamber. And, and show you what happens. Uh, they showed the autopsy. It's got to be real. It's got to be a real corpse of a young boy, probably like eight years old. Hmm. Whew, it's a rough Heroine movie. stuff. It's a rough movie, but it beat me. <clears throat> so, how about you? What was well, your All right, folks, now that your watch list is filled with <laughs> all kinds of nastiness. So, uh, some ones I wanted to shout out that I really love. Uh, of course, from Sono, Strange Circus and Cold Fish. Oh, yeah. Both just excellent. Both both just about the uh, the way that a person can be completely torn down and destroyed by life. And the world shit. Strange Circus in particular is a hard, hard watch, especially if you you have a kid in any capacity. I don't think I would ever bring this to the table with Michael. <laughs> right. Um, Tetsuo the Iron Man yeah. from Shinya Tsukamoto. I love That's Tsukamoto anyways, movie. but yeah. the, the disturbing transformation from person to machine is so, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Man Bites Dog. I know I've shouted that out before on some other episodes. That's classic. It's just the ultimate, like how far someone can be pushed just almost incidentally just by like being brought like step by step as you go mm-hmm. just like egging someone on <laughs> and then the next thing you know you're complicit in, in <laughs> a spree murder exactly um 
I just saw it recently, but Island of Death, you yeah. gifted me, Jason. That's a fun one. I think that's extreme, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. I would say that's extreme. So you talked about what was the most disturbing for you. Mm-hmm. I was, I was going to ask that, so you already hit it. Um, for me, and I don't know if people would consider this an extreme horror film, but it's definitely an extreme film. It's the one film that's broken me before. And that I guess it might be surprising because it's not that explicit in a way, but uh, Requiem for a Dream. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people are really unnerved by that movie. I saw it maybe, I want to say I was probably in middle school. Okay, it's a good time to see it. And um, I guess it was just, I had a friend and he like really liked the director, um, which is it's directed by Darren Aronofsky, who my friend was really into. So when it came out, he, re- he rented it and he was like, oh, we got to watch it. It's his next movie. And I was not ready for like the soul-shattering runtime that followed <laughs> wherein I left and just went home and like got came home my parents were like oh did you have a good time how you doing I was like yeah I'm fine steeled away to my room cried while continually thinking about the movie um and then vowed to like never do hard drugs ever in my life <laughs> I was gonna ask did you go out and get some heroin <laughs> which I to this date never have I've um I've indulged a little bit in some alcohol usually sure. only at holidays um Try to puff off a vape pen or some <laughs> weed once. Um, that's it. And I will not go further. Never, because if I ever even think about it, this movie immediately pops to my mind in its full graphic glory. I have never rewatched it since. I don't really ever want to rewatch it since. Yeah. I think schools should invest in showing this movie to kids when they are that age that I was. It's a lot more effective and a lot cheaper than the just say no to drugs program in the mm-hmm. 80s. You know? <laughs> Because if you literally sit down with your undivided attention and watch this, I don't see how it can't come to your mind. It doesn't look very glamorous. Anytime drugs are in the picture. Yeah. No, I agree. Stay, stay off the hard drugs, kids. Um, and again, it's not graphic so much as it's just like the emotional destruction mm-hmm. that happens. And the, the cinematography, the acting, the way the music is blended in with everything, you feel every second of it. Yeah. And it, it just destroys you. It's a good flick. Great flick. I, I five stars, but I won't watch it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should probably say a, a little shout out to Watership Down, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was probably the first thing that I saw that disturbed me. And I was, a, you know, I was a kid. I was six or whatever because it was a cartoon that was about bunnies. But I was not prepared for, like, a meditation on death. <laughs> <laughs> for for a child, it's a hard watch. It is. It was a hard watch, and to this day, I have never gone back to see that one again. <laughs> well, well, with all that out of the way, how how much worse could it get? Let's talk about yeah. the allegedly worst extreme horror film that exists. The most extreme. The most extreme. The most disturbing. But is it the stuff of legends? A Serbian film. Yes. I'll hit you with the synopsis. Do it. Milos, a retired porn star, leads a normal family life trying to make ends meet. Presented with the opportunity of a lifetime to financially support his family for the rest of their lives, he must participate in one last mysterious film. From then on, he is drawn into a maelstrom of unbelievable cruelty and mayhem. Pretty spot on. Pretty pretty much what happens. And we begin the film... Uh, in an alley outside of Le Club Filth. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty on the nose. Yeah. Uh, see, it begins with a sex scene. A man and a woman in an alley. Uh, but we find out that this is a movie. Yep. That's on a TV screen. That's being watched by a young child. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, what's his name? Peter? Peter? Yes, and he is actually uncredited because uh, yeah. they, they kind of felt like they had to do that considering I could see that. the content of the I film. I see that. So he's watching it. Mm, yeah. Um, I will say shout out to these little like porn vignettes they have because they're so cheesy. And they, they look pretty real. They really capture that right that right feel yeah. that you expect. <laughs> I've done a lot of research in that area. And <laughs> it's very authentic, I tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, but he, he's just watching this, uh, kind of captivated almost. Yeah, like you know how you don't really understand what you're seeing when mm-hmm. you're a certain age or now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in walk a couple into yes. the apartment. Is Milos and Maria. <laughs> and Milos sees what his son's watching. Or is it Milos? It's Milos. Milos, Milos played Milos. by Serjan Todorovic. He's, he's good. Actually, pretty much everyone in this movie is good. That's a great cast all about. And Maria is Jelena Gavrilovic. Mm-hmm. And his reaction's great because he sees it and it's just like neither of them freak out to mm-hmm. their credit. But he's just sort of like looking at it wistfully like, oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that, yeah. Uh-huh. And she's kind of just like, oh, you're not supposed to leave those out. Yeah. And he says he was like doing research or something because mm-hmm. Layla yes, called him. Layla. And uh, the mother says that... I like how she describes that movie as being like a cartoon for adults. Yeah. Because it's so not real. <laughs> it's not, not realistic at all. And when you think about it, that in a way kind of is the most fitting description. It really is. Yeah. yeah. So I like that part. Um, <laughs> and we get the impression that they need they need some money because mm-hmm. she comes and asks him for some for some. Yeah, it, it becomes clear she's giving him like was it piano lessons or something like that. Yeah, they need money to pay for it. Right. And he's got a little secret stash. Yeah, <laughs> of all his films, we find out he's a, he's a porn because yes, he is the person in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's a, apparently a once famous porn star, quite famous. <laughs> Um, yeah, he gives her the money, and it's not really implied, but it's kind of get this vibe like, oh, you know, the funds are getting a little low. Yeah. And we kind of learned their situation is that he is retired. He's kind of tried to move away from all of that. He just wants, like, the nice family Raising life now. His family, yep. Uh, whenever they get low on funds, he will kind of go and do another film just to get enough to get by. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife is a translator. She works doing translations for people, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Clearly not the kind of thing that will pay the bills, though. So. No. Um, and he does seem to have very much like com- compartmentalized his life in that, like, when he when he does the porn shoots, that's that, and then like his family is something else. Yeah, and I like how that movie portrays this because a lot of people think that anyone in porn is like some degenerate, you right. know, fiend or something. <laughs> when it's it's a job to them, right. to a lot of them, and most you know a lot of them don't have any negative effects from it. Mm-hmm. They do it for a while and they move on. Yeah. You know, and it's not a big deal. Not like how the couple in this movie, it's its not a big deal. Right. Of course, it's probably also the European view, whereas we have that puritanical bullshit <laughs> going on in this country. Yes. I digress. Um, and she, and his wife, Maria, she is even kind of concerned, like, if it, does he, like, wistfully miss the life of being, like, this yeah. famous porn star and yeah. stuff like that? And, um... She asks she asks him to to fuck her like one of his porn stars. Well, she even asks him. She's like, "You never sleep with me like how I see in these films." Oh, all right, all right. And he says, "Well, I love you. Doing the films is just fucking." Mm-hmm. And he's kind of dismissive, like that's just I just go and do what they tell me, and that's it. But with you, it matters. Yeah. But they do get a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of eggs him on. Yeah, she, she doesn't <laughs> complain. And the next day, he meets Layla, 
a former co-star of his. Mm-hmm. Played by Katarina Zutik. And uh, she talks about how he was a legend mm-hmm. and how he shouldn't retire. Like he's, you know, he's cheating the world by not being in the movies. Mm-hmm. And she offers him a new job that's going to pay very well. Yep. Um, she says it's a guy named Vukmir. Vukmir. And he's more of an art film guy, but he has moved into doing pornographies. Mm-hmm. And it's going to pay very well, well enough that it might uh, set up his family for, for life. Yeah. He goes through with it. And uh, Milos' brother shows up during this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco? Marco, played by Slobodan Bestik. And he immediately begins sexually harassing Layla. He has a weird vibe to him. Yeah. You immediately don't like him. Yep, he, he's kind of scummy. Uh, seems a little too obsessed with his brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And very obsessed with his brother's wife. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, interestingly, they make a joke about that earlier in the film, where they're kind of having a moment together. And I think it's when they're talking about like their financial issues. And um, he mentions something about, like, oh, well, you could have been with my brother. He's a cop. You know, he has a steady job. Yeah. And she basically says she would rather be broke with him than to have money and be with a crooked cop. Yeah. Yeah, that's how Milo he says he's a bad cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so not just incompetent, but probably on the take. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, Milos is kind of hesitant to sign on at first. Obviously. Um, but he he does agree that he'll go and meet Vukmir and kind of get his yeah. spiel. That night he tells Maria how much it is. We don't hear how much it is, but mm-hmm. by her reaction, it's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, the next day they send a car for him. Uh, he goes to Vukmir's big mansion. Yeah, nice little mansion. Yeah. And notably, as he's coming in, there's a group leaving. Yes. And it is this uh, imposing bald man, and he's got like a little entourage. Yeah. He's definitely creepy. Just put a pin in that for now. Yeah. Don't know who they are. Just other business associates. Mm-hmm. They'll show up later. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so he meets Vukmir, who is played by Sergev Trifunovic. And he's over the top. Yeah, he he is acting the hell out of every scene he's in. He's, a, he's an over-the-top character. Mm-hmm. I love how he, he greets him and he calls him like an artist of fuck and stuff yeah. like that. And, and I love too, he grabs his hand and like holds it the yeah, whole way in. The whole time they're going up the steps, he's holding his hand. And he hand tells him what, the, your right hand is a direct line to your penis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they go in and they talk, have a drink. Uh, Vukmir says things like porn is made by butchers, people who don't know art, but he does. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he says that Serbia is not the place for art because art requires life. Yes. Um, the, he spews a lot of this like philosophical stuff in their meetings together. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it focused on kind of how terrible things are in Serbia. Yes. And the way the government has kind of oppressed the people. Yes. Which we will definitely kind of dig into a bit, I think, once we walk through the film. But that is sort of a central... If you buy into the movie, that's one of the central themes that this is kind of being a metaphor uh, standing in as... And I don't know much about Serbia. No, we're not equipped to have that conversation, really, but um, we'll just give our own impressions when we get there. Sure. And he also mentions that he... uh, No one else makes movies like him, Mm -hmm. and he makes them for a select clientele. Yep. Which really should be your first big warning here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's not going to be widely distributed Uh -uh. through any kind of platform. No. Uh, But he signs. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, there's this uh, attractive woman that comes in that he says is the doctor. His doctor. And it's a big, lengthy contract, too. It's not small. Mm-hmm. And he tells him, <laughs> you don't have to read it. Just look at the numbers, and yeah. if it looks good, sign it. Right. Which is the next warning sign that he should have paused for a minute. Mm-hmm. And Milo, Milo says he doesn't know what kind of movie he's supposed to be making. That's the way Vukmir wants it. Yeah, he, he, he says, says if you did, you wouldn't be any good. He says that's the point. It's supposed to be his natural reactions, and they have a script, and they're just going to set things up. And it felt to me very much like a reality show uh-huh. or... Um, kind of when you do like some found footage films, right? You have like maybe an outline, but it's like, it's like Blair Witch. They're like, we know stuff. You guys go out in the woods mm-hmm. and just react to what happens. Yeah. It's more like cinema verite type stuff, mm-hmm. which for an art film guy, it makes sense that this is kind of his angle. Oh, sure. And he sounds like a pretentious art guy. Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> of course we probably do sometimes too. <laughs> so the filming begins and they're shooting at an orphanage and they give Milos a little earpiece mm-hmm where Vukmir is just going to kind of feed him directions on what to do. And immediately it gets awkward because it's like he's in the car. There's a guy in a car in the car with a camera. He gets out. The guy with the camera is just like constantly trailing him mm-hmm. everywhere he goes. And he gets to the door of the orphanage and throws it open. There's another guy in the same kind of outfit with a camera. Yeah. And they both just like trail him with a two angle view. Mm-hmm. Through everything that he does. Nope. Not saying anything. He's getting all the direction in the earpiece. And it looks like it's a functioning orphanage, too. Yeah. Like, it's not derelict or anything. There's, there's you know, furniture and, you know, everything there that you expect to see. Mm-hmm. Even a kid. Yep, a young girl named Jekka. I'm not sure how old she's supposed to be. I would say 12 or 13, maybe. Played by Andela Ninadovic. Mm-hmm. Clearly meant to be, she's like... She's definitely too young, too is young. the point, yeah. <laughs> For to be in this film. <laughs> um, and then there's a young woman that's working Wait, to be in a Serbian film or the porno they're making <laughs> both. Um, and then there's a young woman there that is sort of like a worker at the orphanage. And then also Jekka's mother. Yeah. Who comes out and slaps Jekka around and tells her, what is she doing there? She yep. shouldn't be there. Um, and there's a thing about, um, they're disgraced because what is it? Um, her, her father was a war hero that died. And then his, the, the mother became a prostitute right. kind of dishonored his memory. A little weird, a little awkward. A little bit. And it's strange because that first day of shooting... I guess she took her daughter to work. <laughs> it was daughter to work today, I guess. <laughs> that first day of shooting, um, they don't actually film any pornography. They just do this scene. Well, there is. They, they do. They, that's followed up. Because, remember, uh, it kind of cuts to him talking to mm. his wife. Yeah. And he, he's telling her what else oh, happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a little weird at first. But what we see is that that woman, Jekka's mother, gets dragged up by some of the men, and the daughter stays. Uh, Milos is taken to the room. And is it Layla? It's, an, it's the nurse that's working it's at the, the nurse, orphanage. It's the nurse, that's right. Yep. So she's going down on, on Milos mm-hmm. while on the, there's two screens in front of him in this darkened room. It's very Twin Peaksy almost in a way because it's like a darkened room, <laughs> white and black checkered floor, yeah. and that's kind of all you can see. <laughs> I expect a little dude to come dancing yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the screen's playing images of of Jekka, and she's uh, suggestively eating a popsicle. Mm-hmm. And and the other one, she's putting on like makeup and fixing her hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they do the scene, and he does his job, and and that was the end of that of the shoot. Mm-hmm. 
but compared to what he was expecting, it's it's kind of a far cry. And even that first conversation with his wife, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this. It's kind of kind of weird. It kind of doesn't feel right. Yeah. He's like, but I guess since I signed the contract, I'll keep keep going. Right. And um, and is it it's during this early part of the filming too. We get a little more where um, is it Marco visiting? Yeah, Marco's over yeah. at the apartment when Milos, I guess, is making the movie, and he's eyeball fucking Maria <laughs> a little too blatantly. Yeah, <laughs> he has to go to the bathroom. The beat went off. Very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude's got problems, mm-hmm. clearly. <laughs> um, so we get our next little porno shoot. And they escalate the situation a little bit. Um, they've got Jekka there in a chair. And then he's supposed to stand there and get fellatio from the mother while the little girl watches. Yes. And they kind of set it up and start to do it. And then he refuses. He's like, yo, this is not what I signed up for. Uh-huh. And what is it? The, one of the guards kind of come up and restrain him. Yeah, when the guy comes up and gives him a chokehold. And then the woman bites his dick. <laughs> and they show, like, flashes of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a prosthetic and everything. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there is a lot of nudity in this movie, obviously. There's a lot of everything in this movie. So, it's, it's fairly explicit. Um, so, basically, he has to go along with it. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, this dude's, like, choking him out and shit. Yeah. What are you gonna do? And to another thing that sets him off is as this is going on, he gets instructed to hit the mother. That's right, yeah. And that's what really, that's where he like record scratch. Yeah, and Vic Murray's saying how she's just a whore and a horrible person. She deserves it. Yeah, and she's dishonoring her husband's memory. And of course, she's, you know, biting on him and shit. So yeah, he, <laughs> he, he gives her a couple of punches. Uh, meanwhile, there's a little bit where Milos contacts his brother <laughs> and he asks him to look into Vukmir. Yeah. Because now he's starting to be like, you know, who really is this guy that I've signed my life away to? Yes. And Marco comes back with some information. He says, well, I found out that he's a former psychologist. uh, And then he's also worked in children's television and state security. And as far as Marco says, it's like the safest person he's ever worked with out of anyone in the industry. He could have tied himself to. Mm Mm-hmm. But to me, when you, yeah, when, you line up, when you line up those three professions... <laughs> it doesn't track, man. Some doesn't feel right. Yeah. Especially when you're actually shooting at an orphanage. It's... And uh, Milos, I think, still doesn't quite vibe with it either. And that's why he goes to have a meeting with Vukmir mm-hmm. to just bow out and say, you know, I'm done. Yep. This is the end of it. Yeah, he says he's not doing any more. He's quitting. And it was, it was, he says something about the kinder, kindergarten stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wrote a quote down from Vukmir on this. Okay, I think I did the um, same Because they one. start to argue about this. And then in response, Vukmir says, What did you say? Kindergarten? That's a good term. The whole fucking country is one big shitty kindergarten. A bunch of kids discarded by their parents. Do you know what, do you know what it feels like? Your whole life, you're compelled to prove that you're able to take care of yourself. To prove that you can shit, eat, fuck, drink, bleed, earn money, do whatever it takes to survive. Until you die. Would you believe me if I told you that me and this wonderful family that you are so anxious to leave are the only warrant of this nesh- warrant of this nation's survival? We are the backbone of this country's economy. Only we can prove that this nation is alive and useful for anything. <laughs> so clearly a little unhinged. Uh-huh. Thinks very highly of himself. He says that you must do what you have to to survive, and victim is the priciest cell in the world. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I like the line before he gets into that, too, because he says, um, we're not making pornography, we're filming life itself. Um, that's the life of a victim. Love, art, blood, flesh, and soul of a victim. Transmitted live into the world that has lost all all of that and now is paying to watch it from the comfort of their armchair. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which, in a way, is kind of true. I mean, an argument can be made in some, you know, instances. Sure. Um, And that's something I was surprised that I appreciated about this film is that even though it has all this heinous shit, in a way it's also kind of condemning some (laughs) of the content that is there at the same time. Yeah, trying to have it both ways. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Which is hard, but uh, Sono does that a lot in some of his films too. So I appreciate when directors try that. I know it doesn't always work for everyone. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the director is fully aware of the hypocrisy. (laughs) Yeah. Usually, yeah. So, um, Vikmar tells Milos that he's going to show him the power of real victim. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to easily the most infamous scene of the movie. Yes. He sits Milos down and starts a projector and, and plays a scene from something he's working on. I'm going to let you describe this scene. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, thanks. Sure. Uh, let's let this be recorded on record for forever now. So um, we see this dark, dingy room. It's very it's very hostile, very saw. Mm-hmm. Looks like they're in a hospital, maybe. Yeah. Um, and we seem to have a pregnant woman on a table. Mm-hmm. Um, very close to giving birth, mm-hmm. given the situation. And uh, we have a guy in the infamous like white mask that this film is kind of known for. Uh, it's just like a white sack, but they kind of have like eye holes and a mouth. Well, I think this guy is actually not masked. No, no, he's not. No, because we see his tattoo. It's oh, the yeah, driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He has okay. like a movie reel tattoo yeah, yeah, yeah. on his head. It's my bad. Yeah. Um, That's a little bit later. I've tried to avoid this scene so much from my mind <laughs> that I... I can't imagine why. Um, Yes, so as the scene plays out, the woman gives birth to a newborn baby that they kind of help out of her. Mm-hmm. Upon which... Uh, this, this the driver, as we know him from mm-hmm. earlier in the film, drops his pants and proceeds to rape the baby. Yes. Uh, it is a very harrowing scene. They use a prop. It's like a baby it, doll. It, it's obviously a prop. It's very Thank obviously goodness. a prop. <laughs> I mean, if it was very realistic, that um, would be... They didn't even try to make it seem more realistic. But despite that, I do think it is hands down the most disturbing part of this film. Oh, sure. Just because, um, and this is where I go back to what I said earlier about the amalgam of things, right? So it's this dingy video because it's kind of shot very found footage style. And that's one of the reasons why this scene is so effective. Because mm-hmm. it looks like a real um, snuff type film. The you know? score, which we haven't really talked about at all. That's no, a great score. It's uh, kind it's of industrial. Composed by Sky Wickler. Very industrial. Very good. I was super impressed with like yeah. a lot of films like this. You don't really associate the score as being that meaningful. Mm-hmm. But here it's very good and very hard hitting where it needs to be, and in this scene it is like soul shredding almost. Yeah. And so you have the composition of this, you see the act happening even if it is a prop, and then the sound design of this, the the woman that just gave birth is crying, mm-hmm. and this these baby whales I don't know how to describe them. Yeah. Um. Each time it gets louder, mm-hmm. and it gets harder and harder to bear, and we get a little cut back to them watching it. And Milos almost immediately taps out. He covers his face. Yeah, I mean, he's... He looks away. He can't watch it. Right. Um, yeah, I actually felt pretty disturbed by this. this yeah, no, it's a good... Not much it's... ever rackles me much these days, but this scene kind of got to me. Yeah, I can see that. It should. <laughs> yeah. Supposed, that's the really. whole point. <laughs> um, and Milos is like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. 
and Vickmer is calling after him. He says, it's a new genre I made, newborn porn. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> he seems quite pleased with himself. He does. Mm. Milo storms out, hops in his car, and drives away. And but he seems to be distracted by something. <laughs> well, he starts to feel a little funny. You can see he's kind of sweating a little bit. Yeah. And we, we should have mentioned that during that whole meeting, Vukmir is just constantly pouring him another yeah. drink, another drink, another drink. And they actually make a funny joke in the early parts of the film about how, what is it, rye... Decrease like, your sex drive. Decreases your sex drive. Yeah, that's why he drinks it. And so he al- he's always drinking it to kind of re- rein himself in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's uh, obviously in a state. Mm-hmm. And he stops up at the traffic light, and that nurse comes out, and... Clearly not a real nurse, by the way. She's in, like, the sexy nurse Halloween costume. Uh, I thought that was the official, <laughs> you know, uniform in Serbia, but eh, apparently not. Probably not. <laughs> so he starts fooling around with her through the window and all this stuff, and then it, there's a cut, and he wakes up in his own bed, bloody, and clearly suffering from lost time. Yes, and this is where the film gets kind of weird, because... Basically, the rest of the film is him remembering what happened in the cut. Yes. And so he goes back and retraces his steps. One of the areas I'll maybe ding this film a little bit on is because it's kind of an awkward way to tell the story. Yeah. When everything up to this point has been kind of linear with maybe some little like jump arounds. but I agree. It almost becomes a different style of film in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he, he's looking around his house. Uh, his wife's gone. His kid's gone. Mm-hmm. He's have, he has little flashes of stuff that may or may not have happened. He's got the keys to the car that the driver mm-hmm. had been picking him up in. Yep. And the car's out front. Uh, so he begins driving around, and we see him drive. Um, First he goes to the set, right? The orphanage. Yeah, he starts yeah. remembering things as he drives. He goes to Vickmer... Who's he go to the orphanage or is it Vickmer's house? I thought he goes to the orphanage first. It may have been. I can't remember. Um, but then he goes to Vukmir's place because he gets like a flash of being there. Mm-hmm. And then that's where he starts to find the tapes. And he can also get more like memory flashes, right? Uh, yes. I think before that, he... Yeah, he's getting memory flashes and he remembers um, the nurse taking him to a room. Mm-hmm. After he met her on the road, where Vikmer and his men are, and Vikmer uh, says that there was a cattle aphrodisiac in the whiskey yeah. he was drinking. <laughs> Apparently, the nurse like is a big speed freak, and she mixed, yeah. mixed up all this stuff. He later calls it bull Viagra. Mm-hmm. So apparently, it just completely takes over Milos. You know, it's everything's about sex. Everything's about penetration. He has to do this. He's like a sex zombie yeah. at this point. He becomes mindless. Yeah. Um, so they bring out Jack's mother mm-hmm. and she's strapped face down on the bed and, uh, they go ahead and put the earpiece back in his ear. Yep. Vukmir returns to directing him again. Mm-hmm. Now that he's like helpless to do anything else. Yeah. And they strip him and he just jumps on the bed and starts humping away. Yep. At her. Rapes her. And then they escalate it slowly piece by piece that goes from like. Hit her. Slapping her a little bit to straight up, like, he is punching her back. Oh, yeah. It was pretty disturbing. Right. And then they hand him a machete. Yep. And he just starts hacking her head off. And they have to actually drag him off her corpse. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's still going at it. And Vicmore calls it the unique magic of rigor mortis. 
And that's... It's weird because it's so hard to watch some of these scenes, but then you have like these little moments of levity. That's something else I want to address. Um, where it's, it's the awkwardness of like, there's no way you can't laugh because yeah. you don't know what else to do. Right. The movie in a, is so over the top in so mm-hmm. many ways. That's one of the reasons why I don't find it that disturbing. Mm. I mean, because it, it, it's almost like a black comedy. Right. Or maybe I'm just a sick motherfucker. I don't know. A little bit of both. Um, no, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I think like some scenes, like the baby scene, that's sure. just, ooh, so yeah. bleak. But some of these other ones, yeah, the way they frame them, the way they escalate it, the way it's shot too, it's got the very slick like um, torture porn, like saw hostile mm-hmm. vibe to it. Yeah, right. It's very um, clean. Mm-hmm. And it is well made. Oh, yeah. And that was what surprised me too, because again, like I said, a lot of, a lot of films in this genre they kind of lean into the low budget because the money's not there for these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. If you come out and say like, Hey, I want to make this movie where a aging porn star gets manipulated into like going on a <laughs> rape murder spree. Um, you've not got the investors. Blumhouse isn't calling you right, to, to lay yeah. down the check. But I mean, uh, technology is getting so much better and cheaper. So it's easier to make a good looking movie. Yeah. And I, I wrote it down cause I wanted to mention it. This film was shot on red. Yeah. I, so, thought, I thought it might have been. That's been a big change for a lot of filmmakers. It's very accessible mm-hmm. in, in the terms of pricing yeah. to get a camera that's that style and actually go out and shoot with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but shout out to the effects artists too because the effects are pretty good in this movie. Yeah, I think so. Um, so then he, be, he begins to remember all this and he like vomits on the floor in disgust. And this is when he finds the tapes. Mm. Um, he starts collecting the tapes and drives out stops and sits under a tree and starts reviewing them. And then he realizes the things he can't quite remember were being filmed. <laughs> so yes. now he can find out what happened. Um, first and most notably, after killing uh, Jekka's mother, he passes out. Mm-hmm. And one of uh, Vukmir's guards rapes him <laughs> while yeah. he's unconscious. It was the guard that he had punched earlier, too. Yeah. So I guess he's getting revenge. Uh, then we get some footage of um, Layla. Yeah. And she's kind of arguing with Vukmir. She says that um, because he's like drugging him now in this way, it's taken away all the actual talent of him yeah. as a porn star. And it's going to ruin him. And it's going to ruin him. And it's not the actual like performance he can give now. He's just like a mindless, uh, like you sex said, he's like a sex zombie. Yeah. yeah. And Leda says that if Vukmir had only like sliced his kid's ear and threatened his family, Milos would have done whatever he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's the sad part is you realize that even even her she doesn't yeah. have any any interest in actually helping him. Right. Um, however, because she has protested now, she's on the chopping block. <laughs> yep. And our next clip is her kind of restrained, and it looks like one of those rooms like from the the newborn porn. Yeah. And this has that rough yep. look to it, that snuff film footage you mm-hmm. expect to see. Uh, she's chained up. She's clearly been just beaten and brutalized. And yeah, there's re- like a pair of pliers on the ground mm-hmm. and teeth everywhere. They've removed all her teeth. And that's when the dude with the white mask comes out. Yes, okay. So see, see it's the face. same kind of room. That's where I was making yeah. the connection. It's like the room in Videodrome. Yeah. <laughs> well, we never leave this room. <laughs> the production value is like nothing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, the dude in the white mask. It's very iconic. If you've seen like the, the Blu-ray or any posters, you've probably seen the mask. Oh, yeah. It yeah. is at one part goofy, but yet also kind of disturbing at the right. same time. Especially given the context. Yeah. So, he begins to rape her. He's sticking his dick down her throat. And he suffocates her to death. Yep. Poor Layla. She didn't deserve that. No, no. Uh, and the next tape he sees is him sitting in a, it's like a small apartment mm-hmm. with uh, Jekka and I guess her grandmother. Yeah. 
<laughs> the grandmother's telling Milos that uh, he did a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the mother deserved to die. Right, right. <laughs> and since uh, Jekka's father isn't there, that uh, Milos has the honor of giving her a virgin's communion. <sighs> Milo even drugged. Milo ain't having none of this. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, love- you, you kind of knew this was going to come go this way because, like. From the start, that like even Milo's kind of picked it out. It's sure, like, this is where Vukmir's wanting the plot to go. Yeah, and I love the way he threatens <laughs> Vukmir and, and his his goons because he gets up, whips out his tick, gets a knife, <laughs> and says, "I'll cut it off." Yeah, <laughs> and everyone's like, "No, no, don't do anything, just stop." <laughs> and then he fucking jumps out the window. Yep. <laughs> and then Vukmir says, "Our film just jumped out the window." <laughs> <laughs> so he's on the run. <laughs> and uh, a lady passes by the little alley that he's in. Oh yeah, yeah. It was obviously a sex worker. Yep, being followed by two, you know, youths, and they're harassing her and shit. <laughs> he just starts <laughs> wanking it right there because <laughs> he can't control himself because he's right. all drugged and shit. And the dudes see that and, and they see, come this over. This scene is pretty comical. It is pretty comical. Yeah, they come over and start kicking his ass. <laughs> uh, but then the goons come up mm. and they kill these two guys, the two youths. They kill them. And they, 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 they grab Milos. Pack him up and take him back to the old warehouse. Yep. And um, he remembers getting injected with more of the bull Viagra from the nurse. Mm-hmm. But he grabs one of the syringes and jabs it in her neck. <laughs> and she like falls back on the bed like foaming and shit. And you think, oh, well, she's dead. You know, she OD'd on something here. And here we get to, I guess you would say, uh, I hate to even use this term, but it is the proper term, the climax of the film. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, he is he's taken to a large kind of open warehouse area, and there are two bodies hidden under like a sheet, a tarp kind of thing. Yeah, they have like hoods on, and they're under a sheet. Mm-hmm. One body is significantly smaller than the other. What could that be? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so they take him to this bed, and yeah, he just jumps on the larger of the two mm-hmm. and starts going to town. Can't see the face, can't see the bodies, can't see who they are. Just it's just the next direction they're giving him. Yeah. Um, and then he's looking over to his left at the smaller body, and he decides, well, I'm going to go have some of that. So he gets over there and does that. <clears throat> but then the man in the white mask shows back up. Yes. And he starts having sex with whoever it was that Milos just left. And notably what we see is when he switches to... The, God, describing this. When he switches to the other smaller <laughs> it's horrible, body... It's horrible. Um, there's a shot where we see that the victim is clearly bleeding yeah. from the rectum. Yes. Um, and, then, and then we get our big plot twist. Yeah, Victor comes up and takes off the mask to reveal Marcos. The bad cop. The brother. Mm-hmm. He uncovers the woman's face, and it's Maria. And he uncovers the one that Milos is on, and yes, it's Peter, his own son. Vikmer calls it a real happy Serbian family. <laughs> it's a long way to go to make a little uh, <laughs> political criticism, but... Yeah. <laughs> so and then the nurse comes back in. She's not dead. Before we go into this, I want to ask you. Yeah. So do you think Marco was always in from the start, or do you think that whenever he investigated Vukmir... Yeah, when he started digging around, They brought him like, into the fold. Okay, yeah. Because he, he's a very easy target to manipulate. Yeah, if he's a corrupt cop, I mean, it's, yeah, this isn't, yeah. And the motivation's there mm-hmm. to kind of like break up the family. Definitely. But yeah, the doctor comes back in. Uh-huh. Um, Bleeding profusely. <laughs> yes. 
from uh, a bloodied Mary. metal pipe that's in her hand. Yeah. Uh, kind of implies, I guess, that she masturbated herself to death. Yep. With, with this all-powerful uh, aphrodisiac they've created. It's bull Viagra. You don't want none of that. Uh, and then she collapses. Mm-hmm. And she's Which like, is still foaming at the mouth and all that shit. Drawing away everyone's uh, attention. Yeah. Oh, and it, we should say, like, we were kind of screaming past it, I think, just because it's... Eh. But it is pretty disturbing, the scene of them, like, fucking them on the table. Because, and like, it shows... Once they unmask them, it shows their faces. They realize what they're doing. And, and there's the realization that settles in on Milos. But then also the wife, you can tell that she's been beaten around and hit a bunch. Yeah. And then the kid is foaming at the mouth. He's, like, catatonic. Yeah. Yeah. And do I even want to say props to the actor? Because, like, they, they nail, like, the dead-eyed look. Yeah. No, I'm not. Um, but he does a good job. And I don't even know the logistics of how you would film that or direct that, but... Uh, well, they did it, so... <laughs> they sure did. They, they got the performance <laughs> they wanted. Uh, so Minos goes crazy and attacks Vikmer. He's beating his head on the ground. And Maria jumps up and bites Marcos. Yeah, she kind of like snaps too. Oh yeah, she the goes second the fucking action. town yeah. on him. Uh, she tears his throat out. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then there's like a little like piece of art sculpture thing there. And <laughs> she starts to just bash his head into paste. Oh yeah, well deserved. Which we don't see too clearly, but the few shots you get are just gnarly. Yeah, they're good. Uh, the goons are trying to drag Milos off Vikmer. And... Uh, <laughs> Vikmar is like, that's it, that's cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I want. Uh, uh, Milos is grabbing one of the guns of the goons and shoots him. He shoots everybody. Shoots except everybody. for... The driver. Yep, the driver. Was the guy from the newborn porn mm-hmm. thing. He runs out of bullets. Yeah, he shoots him a couple times, but this guy's big. <laughs> He's coming after him. Uh, and they're struggling. And he takes... The, the dude has an eye patch, right? Mm-hmm. And he like rips it off and he's missing an eye. So, unarmed, what does Milos use to subdue this man? What could he use in this moment of rage his, and violence? His protruding boner, which he thrusts into the dude's eye hole and kills him. Brain fucks him. Skull fucking's a very common term, but I, uh, to see it in a film... This is the most X-rated <laughs> podcast. Watch, watch. This will be the one episode my parents decide to check it out. Yeah. Oh, it's their Halloween episode. Let's see what they're doing. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah, so he skull fucks the guy to death. And Vukmir is kind of bleeding out. He's, he's been shot a bunch of times. So he, uh-huh. He's done. Uh, and he praises Milos. And he says, this is truly, truly the film I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Maria's, you know frantic and like threatening Milos stay away and Milos punches her what's what you gonna out. do yeah probably uh, not this but he's crazy still so yeah um, and he still has that gun and he tries to shoot himself but there's no bullets left and so after this very lengthy flashback we're kind of back to normal time yes where he was he, he recovers his family who he had left in one of those scuzzy rooms um, and we see a little bit of a passage of time. Yep. He, um, he took them home and kind of locked them in the basement. And that's the last thing he did before he passed out yeah. on the bed. So now he's regained his senses and we see them kind of going about their day, but it's obvious that all it's, joy is gone. It's an interesting thing because they never talk about it yeah. for the rest of yeah, the film. There's really no more dialogue. Um, we just see their interactions. And like when he comes back to the basement to release them, they, they have a moment where they kind of like hug it 
hug it out there, but mm-hmm. um, even it's empty with that no, acceptance. Just, yeah, there's this yeah. emptiness to it, and the kid's just vacant. You know, he's mm-hmm. gone. So, um, they decide to do something about this. Yep, we can see they get some bullets. They load back up the gun. They lay on the bed. The kids have been between them. And Milos takes the gun and puts to to his wife's back. Uh, pulls the trigger. Yep. Bullet goes through all of them. Kills them. And then we pull back, and this is being filmed by that bald dude we saw before and a couple of goons. Well, it's interesting because... Um they're not there at first, but they come in, like right after the gunshot. I thought they were there for the whole thing. I was pretty sure they came in after. Because hmm. they come in, and they're like setting up the film equipment. And then um, the one guard starts to like unzip his pants. Yeah. And it's the bald guy that was from early in the film that they kept seeing. He would like come and go from Vukmir's mansion. Mm-hmm. So clearly this guy was like the either the one he was working for, or like one step up the chain and whatever this organization is. Yeah. And to the guy that's taking his pants off, he says, go ahead and start with the little one. Yeah. And that's where this happy, fun movie ends. Yes. So. Pretty harrowing. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, Before we get into any of our thoughts, besides what we've doled out along the way, I do have a bunch of info I want to go over about this. Okay. Uh, as you might expect, the film has been banned in several countries. <laughs> Why? This includes the Philippines, Spain, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, and Norway. And it was temporarily banned from screening in Brazil. Uh, like we said from the top, it's often and most widely considered online to be the most disturbing movie of all time. Maybe we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, they filmed it in 61 days. Pretty commendable. Yeah, I mean, it's a fairly long shoot for a um, smaller movie. The director really hasn't done much else besides this film. I think the only other notable thing is he made a short for the ABCs of Death, yeah. that anthology film. And that's disappointing, because I want to see what else he's got. Yes, I would like sleeve. to see what else he could do. I mean, is, he, is he a one-trick pony? Is this it? You know? um, oh, I thought this... Well, <laughs> Did he say everything he needs to say with this film? This, that's the mic drop. <laughs> I mean, if you're only going to make one film in your whole life... He may as well go all out. Uh, oh, I want to talk about this. So the first time it screened... Um, 15th of March, 2010, a midnight screening in Austin as part of the 2010 South by Southwest. <laughs> uh, it was introduced by the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema's owner, Tim League, and he basically warned them about how extreme it was going to be, and they kind of gave like a final chance to walk out if you didn't want to go through it. He then coaxed a handful of audience members to come onto stage, where they jointly together snorted lines of salt, squeezed lime juice into their eyes, then took a shot of tequila... And it was said that this was to understand what Serbians have been through to create the culture that made a Serbian film. <laughs> Which is some pretty gnarly uh, promotion pretty gnarly. tactics. Yeah. Yeesh. Uh, some other fun stuff. It was the first and only film to ever get the rare R20 Plus rating in Japan. Hmm. So uh, they didn't censor it there, but they did actually attach a pretty heavy uh, rating there on it. Wow, okay. But, you know, of course Japan's not going to censor it. Come on. Well, they do the fogging of genitals <laughs> and stuff like that. They still do that, right? Yeah, they do. Uh, let's Which see. Which is hilarious compared to the content of the movies. Um, so we mentioned Norway. Uh, the reason they banned it was for the sexual representation of children. That was like their key sticking point. And it's one of the few films they've ever banned in the country. And it joins the honorable ranks of films like Ichi the Killer <laughs> and Grotesque. From, ah. from our boy mm-hmm. that we love. Grotesque is good. Um, Gigi is good. 
it was supposed to play at Con in the year that it came out. Uh, after the controversy, they pulled it hmm. and replaced it with the film Buried. Buried is actually a good movie. It's the only good movie with Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds in it. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably a safe bet for them. Although I would have loved to have seen the audience reaction. Yeah, because when you think of Con, that's kind of like the norm, the normies yeah, uh, yeah. film festival. <laughs> so imagine them sitting there and watching this. Uh, There's so many walkouts. Uh, the original U.S. version that was released was cut by one minute so that they could nail an NC-17 rating. Mm. And I think that had to do with the, the baby scene, hmm. primarily. That makes sense. Uh, since then, they have issued an uncut version on Blu-ray uh, that's out there. Yeah. This film isn't really streaming anywhere. What You can VOD it, I think. Yeah, it's not that hard to find. Um, really. Was it Unearthed Films, I think, has the Blu-ray? I want to say. Uh, I think it is. They usually put out all the disturbing stuff. Yeah. The, we, should, we should have mentioned that in the intro. Uh, Unearthed Films, they're a, a boutique label to look at if you're interested in extreme horror because they're a great resource. Yeah. I don't know if it's exclusive, but they pretty much focus on Yeah, it's almost that all category. disturbing type shit. Um, in the UK, eventually it got passed for a DVD release with an 18 certificate. But it had to be cut by 4 minutes and 12 seconds. <laughs> this included heavily editing scenes of sexual violence, anything involving children. Uh, the movie's the, not going to make any sense. The rape and murder of Jekka's mother, and the camcorder footage of Layla being raped and killed. Um, so yeah. You know, you know, this, everything that makes this a Serbian film was cut out. Yes. Uh, do I have any more? I don't... I don't think so. One of the director, when asked about it, he one of the things he said he wanted to do was just make a very non-PC movie, mm-hmm. but also make something that because he, apparently he's very bored by like Serbian cinema. He says yeah. it's very safe and very predictable. Okay, yeah, I wanted to get into that because he said um, they have a lot of guidelines as far as like if they fund you to make a film in Serbia, yeah, the content you have to have and the things you can and can't do. And because of that, in his eyes, he was saying that like a lot of the films are very like homogenized, very yeah. generic. Uh, none of them take any risks or try to do anything too interesting. Right. And so he kind of wanted to break the mold on that. Which I respect. I have some quotes from him. Um, In response to the controversy, he said, This is a diary of our own molestation by the Serbian government. It's about the monolithic power of leaders who hypnotize you to do things you don't want to do. You have to feel the violence to know what it is about. Interesting. So pretty basic uh, little thesis line there for it. (laughs) Um. Let's see what else he had. A, he had a quote about he was asked why the film is just called a Serbian film. Mm-hmm. That is a pretty you know generic title. And his answer to that was, "We have become synonymous with chaos and lunacy." The title is a cynical reference to that image. A Serbian film is also a metaphor for our Serbian national cinema. It's boring, predictable, and altogether unintentionally hilarious, which to a certain extent is commented on and subtly parodied in my film. So I think it is supposed to be a little funny. Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, it, think so. it is so over the top and so nuts that it's hard not to be a little funny. Uh, he also said, and I thought you would like this, Jason. Um, 
one goal with the film was that it was to denounce the fascism of political correctness. (laughs) (laughs) A very quotable line. It is. It is. Um, He was questioned in the past about um, the violence in the film. And I think people kind of drilled in on the war hero subplot of the pornography they're making. Mm. And I know he was asked if it was anything to do with like uh, war crimes that Serbia has committed in the past. Uh, and on that he said that the film does not touch upon the theme of war, but in a metaphorical way it deals with the consequences of a post-war society and a man that is exploited to the extreme in the name of securing the survival of his family. Okay. Something we'll have to take his word on. We have no real knowledge of that, but... And I've got one more little quote from him, just because, again, I I think this dude's got some snappy uh, comebacks with these questions, but... um, in the UK at a theatrical screening, he was asked to kind of talk a bit about Vukmir and like the concept for him as a character. And he said that he was intended to be an exaggerated representation of the new European film order. Uh, he said in Eastern Europe, you cannot get your film financed unless you have a barefoot girl who cries on the streets <laughs> or some story about war victims in our Balkan region. The Western world has lost feelings. So now they're searching for false ones. They mm. want to go forth and buy those feelings. Nice. I like that. Hmm. So I guess here's the question is, do you buy into that? Cause that, that's where a lot of people fall is they kind of think that it's just uh, a pretentious way to gloss over a very vulgar film. I think without having the firsthand knowledge of what life is like in Serbia, mm-hmm. it's hard to really answer that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I, that's, that's probably a part of it. Hmm. But largely, I think just his statement about wanting to make something that's not PC that will just shock people and something that's that breaks the mold of Serbian films. I think that's probably his biggest goal. Yeah, and I think too, like uh, for a film, you can have any goal you want that you set out to do. Right? Some people just want to tell a story. Um, you know, some people ride on the dog on the Marvel films to be like, well, they're, they're meaningless. They're just entertainment, mm-hmm. but it, it is okay to just say, I want to make a film to be entertaining. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Make some money. Let people enjoy yeah. it for an hour and a half and go on, go on about their life. So for him to say like, this was my goal with a Serbian film. I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think too, like, even if like, like, like we've said, we can't really get into the like Serbian culture angle. Because we just don't know it. Yeah. We're not equipped to have mm-hmm. that conversation. Uh, we wouldn't try to do it for them. We no. would love to hear from anyone that has that perspective. Oh, that could definitely. Give us some please. info. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but I think even without that context, you can still pull things from this movie. Like, I think on some level, it's definitely saying something about like the exploitation of others, especially in the regards to like uh, maybe the porn industry and the way that. <coughs> My apologies. Mm. And the way that uh, there is a push sometimes to like keep doing more and pushing further in a way that eventually starts to exploit a person. Mm-hmm. Not to say that is universal of everyone, but of course, every every industry, everything has its uh, seedier elements. Sure. I mean, how network television does. Yeah. You're telling me those reality shows aren't exploitive and gross <laughs> a lot of the times? Right. Or, um, you know, the recent spree of like uh, Jeanette McCurdy from iCarly, her book came out. Mm-hmm. It was all about like her relationship with her mother, but also it got into a bit of the... Uh, the weirdness that went on at Nickelodeon uh, yeah. with the producer that was like being just a little too creepy. Yeah. 
And then you have Nickelodeon trotting out to defend him, and it's just like, dude. Mm. Yeah, you might uh, bad look. From that guy. Yeah. <laughs> bad look, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did want to shout out another Sono film. Um, <laughs> of course. He has one called Guilty of Romance, which is more of like a. This is an erotic film, but I think it does go into that extreme range a little bit. Um, it basically chronicles the life of a bored housewife who slowly falls into the sex industry in Japan. It starts as just modeling, doing like bikini photo shoots and stuff. And then it slowly over the film, she gets escalated into, well, film a porno. Well, like, go sleep with this person for money. And then, like, it escalates, and then she's like a, a prostitute on the street. And then she has, like, a pimp that's forcing her in to do stuff and more and more and more. And you see her go through, like, these increasingly degrading situations. Mm-hmm. And so, though they have a different purpose and they end up in different places, I think, like, it made me think of this film because of the way that Milos kind of goes through this escalation of, like, the envelope being pushed more and more on him and his life and how that starts to, like, tear him down and change him as a person. All right. Interesting. Okay. Let's check that one out. So. So. So shall we get to our thoughts? Yes, let's get to our thoughts. You may go first, Jason. Very well. Um, is a Serbian film a good film? I will say yes. Is it a disturbing film? Sometimes. Is it an extreme film? Hell yes. Oh yeah. It is meant to provoke. It is meant to get a reaction. And like I said before, it's easy to show gross shit on the screen and like shock people or gross them out or whatever. But this movie does have talent behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, the actors are great. It's shot well. It's it's written well. I think it's intentionally funny in places. I agree. You know, it's so over the top, like I said before. It, <laughs> I think it, it earns its status, but I, I don't think it's by any means the most disturbing movie ever made. By any stretch of the imagination. Hmm. But different people have different thresholds. I think the baby scene alone clinches that for so many people. Right. I think of it something like, uh, and I don't even know if we should bring this up, I probably can't put it in the show notes at all, but uh, was it Squirmfest? Yes. Um, <laughs> like that, like, don't put that in the show notes, please. Uh, there's probably no video I can link on the there internet. would be no safe, no, yeah. nothing, no, 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 no site you would want to go to. But, but that, if, for those who don't know, that is basically just a collection of it's Japanese, mm-hmm. of and, course, and it's women eating and drinking all sorts of things, mm-hmm. animal, like insects, and and. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> it's pretty gross. I've never seen the whole thing. I've seen like a couple of scenes. I'm like, okay, that's it. That's enough. <laughs> because that, that, and that, that's when you get to the real shit. Mm-hmm. And is the real shit, that's a whole other discussion. We have to talk about Mondo movies some other, some other time. Yeah. Um, but I, and to that point, this, at, at the end of the day, this is a work of fiction. None of this is real. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I can always look at a movie as a movie, you know, I, I'm more disturbed by themes and messages. And I don't, to me, this doesn't have that disturbing of a message. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I don't quite get it. I don't know. See, I think to me, the ending, I did feel like a kind of resounding, like emotion after it was over. I was kind of like, damn, just the way, just the way this guy's life was torn down. And it made me think, like, could there have ever been anything different? Was there a way for him to, like, make a different choice to escape this or get out of it? Right. 
Or was it one of those things where it's like once he started on that path, all roads led to this yeah, moment? Yeah, I, I think once he signed that contract, it was done. Mm-hmm. Unless he just jumped into that world and joined it, you know? Yeah. Um, Which I think, in a way, Vukmir was kind of hoping for that because it seems like he wanted him to understand oh, yeah. understand his thought process. And yeah, then... he was disappointed that he didn't get his art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I like the movie. I think it's a good movie. I think that the tone balances out the disturbing imagery. It keeps it from being too repugnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I would give it three stars. Okay. That's the rating I'm giving it. Interesting. I, I think it's fun. I think it's enjoyable. It's definitely noteworthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely something you want to show people. <laughs> you don't want to do one of our uh, Halloween backyard screenings this year for Serbian <laughs> right, film? Right, right. Share it with the neighborhood. <laughs> um, so, at the end of the day, I think it's good. I think it deserves to be mentioned with extreme films, but I don't. I don't think it's one of the most disturbing films. Yeah. Um, to bring it up again, this was quote unquote Michael's pick, and we crowdsourced it from people. Yes. And I think it was Adrian mm-hmm. that pitched this to us, and he said, "If you're making a list or any kind of collection of things about extreme horror, a Serbian film has to be on there." Right. And he's right. Mm-hmm. He's right because it's also part of the current cultural zeitgeist. Right. It's the movie that most people think of when you say extreme film right now, even though it's. Tr- 12 years old? Oh my God, yeah. how is this movie 12 years old? <laughs> Crazy. But nothing's really come along to supplant it. At no. least not mainstream. There's plenty of independent productions. Right, there's been stuff like the American Guinea Pig series. Yeah, right. Where they've kind of tried to carry that torch. But... Yeah. So, what's your thoughts? What do you think? So, uh, like I had said, I had never seen this before. I knew of its infamy. Mm-hmm. I had seen little clips here or there. It was one of those where I was like, I'll, I'll watch it when I have a good reason to. Because I think for me, this is a genre like, I don't just live in it every day. Like, oh, no. You know, I don't think anyone should. Um, some people do, and that's that's you, that's on your, yeah. whatever you want to do, whatever works for you, whatever makes you happy in life. Uh, but for me, I can't do that. And so it's really a thing where it's like, when I have a good recommendation, I'll go in for one of these when I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a lot in the Japan realm for this category because, of course, I love Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. And so that just went hand in hand. Um, so knowing what this was going in... I expected to think it was kind of just a joke. And I was very much surprised at how good I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visuals are great. The acting is great. The cinematography is great. Music the, the score is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. This is like one of the best scores I've heard in a while for like a new thing I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, even especially too, because I expected the score to just be worthless. I don't know why. That was just like a thought I had going in. And I was surprised not only by how good it was, but how well it like punctuated certain scenes to really like sell those moments. Um, and yeah, like always, just based on reading like these quotes by the director, mm-hmm. I kind of just assumed he would be full of shit, just because yeah. it sounds like the kind of pretentious thing you would say, like Vic Murray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was surprised that as I watched it, and I kind of had those quotes bouncing around in my head because I've always heard them where I've listened to people talk about this. Uh, I, you know, I saw kind of the connecting points of like what he was saying about like, uh, the, the, the exploitation of, you know, the government to the people and, uh, you know, like large entities like the media, mm-hmm. the film industry, that kind of thing. Um, so I was surprised, I guess, in a way that it had so much more substance than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, like you said, there are these moments of levity where they kind of make almost like a black comedy turn. To kind of like, so it's not always like pedal to the floor the entire time right. that you're going, which I think is another perception if you just hear about it. Oh, sure. 
you kind of think it's going to start and then it's just nothing but like if rape you think, and death. If you take any of these scenes out of context and just mm. that one scene, it looks mm. like the most horrible, disturbing thing ever made, you know? But um, And I wanted to mention that for a second. I, I just remembered it and I forgot to bring it up. Um, there was an interesting discussion by some critics about like the, I guess the validity of, validity of this film and like the worth of it. And uh, one of them mentioned the fact that like on the home media releases they include like a director's introduction where the director actually kind of talks and he says a lot of these things that we've gone over about like his goal with the film and what he hopes people gets out of it. And the critics said like, because of how taboo it was, this film was like very widely pirated. Mm-hmm. Uh, torrents were always popular. You could go on like forums and reddits and people would mention it and recommend it and be like, Oh, it's like the most fucked up film ever. You got to go see it. And because of that, so many more people have seen this through like a stream online or like pirating the torrent or things like that where you just get the film and you never get that context of like, Hey, I'm the director. Here's what I was doing. Right. Uh, think about this yeah. before or after the movie. Yeah. Um, and so in a way that has like built this mythos around the film that maybe wouldn't exist if it was more widely seen through like regular channels. Sure. I mean, anything forbidden. You know, mm-hmm. an obscure is going to get um, a lot more interest and mystique. And to bring it up again for like the 50th time, that was true of the Poughkeepsie tapes mm-hmm. because that film kind of got buried for a long yeah. time. And, and I remember being on like just random forums of like, oh, what's a disturbing film? It's like, have you ever seen the Poughkeepsie tapes? Yeah, there's you no have to copies. Go, no there's no copies. That. There might be a download out there you can find. Yeah, it's forbidden. Oh, yeah. it must be so disturbing that mm-hmm. it can't be so- shown. Um, and then, yeah, it builds a story around the film itself that's sometimes even more interesting than the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it was different than what I thought it would be, and I was surprisingly impressed. Not good. No, I don't think it's an amazing film. I don't think everyone needs to see it. I think that um, <laughs> no. you, need, you need to know what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but I do think, too, it is worth seeing if you're okay with like accepting this content. Yeah. And being in that space for a while. It's not just a gore fest. It's not an August underground. Yeah, it's its not just a snuff film as a movie. Yeah. Um, it, to me, it had a point. To me, it had a purpose. And I thought it conveyed that very well and was very well done at every technical level. Um, but it is one, like, I'm not just going to go home and be like, you know what? I think I'm going to watch a Serbian <laughs> film. Uh, it's not like the pop-on feel-good for an afternoon yeah, movie. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I've seen it since it came um, out. So. so I will give it a confident three. Three. Right, right there in with agreement. You. Yeah. Okay. One of those rare agreements. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I've now dumped all my feelings about this movie and they're not just up there in my head anymore. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad to get it out. Were you, were you happy to have finally seen it? I am, yeah. I, I'm glad now that when people bring it up, I can be like, yeah, I've seen that. I can have a conversation about it. Nice. Excellent. Well. So that's one down. We've got three to go because we're hitting you one a week in October. That's right. Extreme horror all the way. Yep. <laughs> so that was quote unquote Michael's pick. Thank you everybody that submitted ideas. We're going to hang on to the ones we didn't use and maybe thread those in later. Yes. Because um, this is a subject we will have to visit again in the future. Yep. We're just scratching the surface here. So next up we have your pick, Jason. Yes. What are we going with? Uh, we're going to go with Angst from 1983. Um... Briefly, it is about a troubled man who gets released from prison and starts taking out his sadistic fantasies on the unsuspecting family living in a secluded house. I have never seen it, but I know it is an influential film. I think what Gaspar Noé 
said it was a big film yes, for him. Yes, he champions it. Yes. Um, I'm anxious to see what you're going to think about it. This is probably, this definitely is not nearly as extreme as most movies on the most extreme horror film list goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are f- many that are far gorier, um, but I think this movie's kind of important okay. for a lot of reasons. Uh, and it's streaming on Tubi, Yes, I want to say. Might not be the best platform for it since you got those commercials, but... Uh, yeah, commercials are not good for this movie. Uh, this movie is very much about its pacing. But you know, mood. do what you can. Do what you can. If that's your only option, you know, go for it. Why not? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All so. right. Well, thanks for tuning in. This was a tough episode to get through. Uh, if you're here with us at the end, thank you for coming along ah, yep, on the journey. Uh, I applaud you. I applaud your efforts. If you've seen a Serbian film, let us know what you think. Uh, I'd be very curious to hear. Definitely. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your comments. Hit us up on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you've been watching. Tell us movies that we should check out because we're always looking for yeah. more. We want to watch what you think is cool to watch so we can we can vibe to that and yeah. share it with people. And tell us which movies disturbed you the most. Yes, yes. Um, I'll maybe make a post about that sometime during cool. the month as these episodes come out. Nice. So we can, we can hear from others as well as we shared ours. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Hit us up also at genreexposure at gmail.com and send us a cool missive yes. about your Halloween film-watching exploits. Ooh, yeah, we want to know. Um, yeah, you've been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everyone. Take care. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening